Hey, welcome back to the Unseen Underground podcast. I'm Steve uh, at Unsung the Rapper on socials. As some of you may know who've been listening to the show for a while, me and my co-host Chaz have been sort of lost roaming the country looking for temp jobs as a way to get back home. Uh, we got lost on a camping trip a while back. Um, so some of them have taken us to pretty weird places and uh, done some pretty strange things for cash. This one is kind of neat. Um, we're working with the local uh, public broadcasting ch- uh, radio channel. and Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. They put us in charge of programming. Right, which we thought meant that we would be choosing which episode of what to air at what time. and Right, but we're actually in charge of writing, producing, and performing all of their programming all day, every day. Which is a great crash course in doing something that we've never really done before and super stressful and very time consuming we should we should show them some of the some of the stuff that we've that we've worked on uh yeah we can do that uh we did this one program just yesterday uh it was just a sort of a like a classic bbc masterpiece uh radio program it's super classy it's very highbrow yeah, it's called a chance meeting on the stairs and uh like i said we have to write it uh, produce it and read all the parts. So the programming is not varied very much, um, but you know, here's a chance meeting on the stairs. A chance meeting on the stairs brought to you in association with the Donna Yeager Yates Yates Foundation, bringing you excellent tinfoil since 1872, and the Melissa and Doug Hopsicord Family Trust. You wooden blocks that you wouldn't play with. The Shirley Cavatappi Cavaloli House. Cuf and Rescue for all your rescued poodle needs. The Renegade Foundation. The Talk to the Hand Sign Language and Subtitles Committee. The Scissors Strangler. Without further ado, on to the programming. A man is half way down a short marble staircase when a stranger approaches from the bottom, attempting to walk up the same side. Pardon, good sir, but this approach has made me quietly befuddled. You see, I stand here, obvious to the teeth of walking downward on this case of steppings, yet you appear to be encroaching the same stepped side as I am descending. A good hue to you, my good man, but you see the floors have been dampened and the rail is of my only hope of staying afoot on this welcome journey to the top rung towards nearest exit. I beg excuse, my good fellow. I know prouder than most that the dampness is a factor, for I have been to the outest of sides and have experienced the pouring tides firsthand. I feel that my unsturdy feet needs the rail, for my soles have already been saturated with nature's juices and the slightest breath could knock my leg holdings free from the marble stepping. This is dumb. Come on, just read it, Chaz. I do not disagree, my wizard and slippery foot polish, but I ask you this. Shouldst I sacrifice all for a chance of tumblery down this very stepping? May I, a family man and father of fathered children, be slaughtered lamb that failed to feed his family and make his fathered children into unfathered childs? God. Just get into it, Chaz. A good point, have you, oh great spectacle that held even garden times, yet you seem to be removing even the slightest importance of my family. I have heard stories, my blessed one, about your frailties and addictions. Some range from a great desire to imbibe fermented jollyments to even a sordid love affair with what some may consider the smokery of Faust's 
cloved crumb. The shame of shames upon you, sir, for every cherry and berry know of your infatuations of candied nuts and sweetings. Death be a blessing to you, my good mustard-blazered globetrotter. You have perhaps bested me at this a time, but you shall soon feel a white squall on your back of your bladed shoulders whence you are not most looking. For now I will move to the other rail on opposite sides of your descent. My ascent be more glorious. Always a joy to fortune a victory. Perhaps when we meet again, you will more prepared be. Until then, may your knees not know the joy of walking downmost. The two men descend and ascend the stairs of six and exit. Hey, this is Chaz. Just want to give you an update of that concert on the park on Saturday. It's the uh, Maritime Loki Low-Key Festival at Starrettsville Memorial Harpsichord College. Uh, we've got a number of bands. Uh, here's a list. Wet Chocolate. Yes Flakes. Picklebox. Tiger 4. Higher. The Gym Teachers, Gym Teacher, Ponder Thusly, Flavor Scent, The Dickles, Turtle Platter, Manila Gorilla, The Turn On and Offs, Tiny Dinos, Imitation Man Meat, and of course, God of Fraggles. Also, the Champion Saltines are playing with Boxcar Theologian. Uh, Tiny Dinos 2, The Dinoceruses, and Flavortown USA, not to be mistaken, with Town Flavor. Uh, the lead singer hurt his knee and couldn't play. Yeah, so that's what we've been up to. It's been kind of fun, I guess. Kind of dumb, too. I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a paycheck. Uh, or it's volunteer. I'm still not completely sure about that. But either way, um, I think we should play this week's new episode. What do you think, Chaz? Yeah, uh, this week we have... No, 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 uh, I, I want to I wanna introduce it, if that's all right. Uh, this week we have Zalzan, uh, rapper, performer, one of my favorite rappers. That's, that's actually Sage Francis, though. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, really inspired and influenced me when I was first starting off, trying to play shows and get a voice for myself. And I was doing a lot of the things that, you know, he was already perfecting at that point, which was just writing, recording, performing, and doing slam poetry, something that I was in awe of at the time. So I was really excited to get the chance to talk to him. So tune in for this week's episode. It's going to be great. Welcome to the Unseen Underground podcast. Um, today, our guest is none other than Sage Francis. Uh, hey, strange, strange Famous Records. Uh legendary MC, won the hip hop infinity best rapper was it of all time two years <laughs> in a row son no one remembers now it's lost to hip hop history i remember those days it was yeah. a big deal for me it was like it was actually very fun to have those bragging rights online cuz i know oh, i sure. had uh, so many haters and <laughs> they just wanted to just like uh, it just was fun for me like number one boy yeah i mean that was that was a huge deal though but you know, hip-hop infinity was massive like that's where i went to find out all the new stuff um but i re i remember as soon as that as soon as they posted that you you sent out some kind of rebuttal message or something uh just 
sort of like it was sort of like yeah you know i don't really find myself to be like you know like there's i don't know it was it was very humble of you but well i appreciated the recognition obviously and it was a massive sight and it was a massive oversight on jc graves part (laughs) to let it just crumble because they missed out on so much money down the line where you you just saw how this site could have evolved it could have turned into you know it could have just been the underground hip-hop hub same as undergroundhiphop.com which totally totally fell to pieces Uh, everyone did it wrong um and our our forum the the nonprofits forum back then and then changed into the strange famous forum was uh i would say the third most popular hip-hop forum or or close to it it was it was was, uh, very very active and the only reason we had to shut that down is because those those um forums were riddled with viruses that were affecting the rest of the site we gotcha. we couldn't salvage it yeah we continued on as a, as a web store obviously and the record label is you know, you know all our news and stuff appears on strangefamous.com whereas all these other sites just phew, totally shit the bed mac lethal he had a pretty popular one there too for a little while um, yeah, he tried y- to do what we were doing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I think um, when Hip Hop Infinity shut down, Fuse One was just about to review my first album. Ah. <laughs> Sage Francis was a. Um, I'm, I'm talking about you like you're not here. <laughs> I'm talking to the, the, best the, the audience. Yeah. <laughs> um, sort of pivotal when I was uh, sort of coming into the scene in the like very early 2000s because I was I started off doing spoken word. Uh, and slam poetry mm-hmm. and was also doing rap and you were also like you know light years ahead of me but you were also doing those two things to so to see you and and i was watching that that slam nation documentary like just over yeah. and over again and trying to hone those skills so you were you were vital to those days of uh me trying to like you know figure out what what angle I wanted to approach and everything. So I thank you for that. I've been a fan for a very long time. Well, thank you. It's funny you mentioned that. I I, I just recently mentioned the Slam Nation uh, documentary, and I almost never do. Uh, for some reason, it came up in a recent conversation, and I was trying to tell someone to check it out, and they had already seen it, but it's never talked about anymore. And 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 I feel like it's a wonderful um, archive of how interesting and and different voices were back um before slam poetry got as popular as it did sure and before people figured out the formulas that would often win them the slams yeah so you had some very unique voices and uh, different writing styles different deliveries and um people of all shapes and forms and ages and races obviously it was like a mishmash of deep south and mm-hmm. uh you know up north and every everyone was bringing their own flavor to the table it was yeah. that was what was so exciting about it for me right and hip-hop didn't really have its claws in it just yet so i what i was bringing to the table was more of the hip-hop aesthetic that um uh became very popular afterward uh, I would say Saul Williams certainly was one of the very first sure. to do that. And sure. I followed suit maybe a year later, but yeah, he, I mean, he's highly prevalent on, on the slam nation documentary. And that was the year Providence had won. So, so that was a big uh, point of pride for <laughs> yeah, me being on the absolutely. Providence slam team, but we never since that point really never did anything. Yeah. That's how I got introduced to um, like mums, the schema, 
uh, Taylor Molly, uh, Bosia, just about everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, we just watched that over and over again. Um, yeah, and when I moved to New York City and got involved with their slam, that's I became friends with Bosia and, and Taylor Molly, and they were hero. They were kind of like not heroes, but they were uh, icons to me because of sure. that documentary. So it was very surreal just to be in the mix of their their slam and and to i was the dj of their slam for a couple of years nice yeah no i know exactly what you mean because having watched it so many times it's almost like this folklore you know you yeah. see these people in this in this documentary over and over again i think i'd feel probably the same way so you you are from are you born and raised providence rhode island yeah i was born in miami florida um but didn't grow up there i grew up in rhode island so i spent almost all of my childhood in Rhode Island and then uh, started moving around a little bit in my late teens and then touring almost nonstop since my early 20s. Right. For all intents and purposes, I'm a Rhode Island guy, but yeah, I, I, I live in Connecticut now and uh, I have no specific pride about that. <laughs> 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 Although it is a wonderful spot is really not much different than Rhode Island at all and the uh, yeah. you know I'm raising three kids with my wife and it's a it's a truly wonderful spot for children um the schooling right. all the programs that are made available to them all stuff I I wouldn't have given any shits about before now right, right. <laughs> like I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to live here before now right. but I'm just saying if you're a parent this is the spot yeah <laughs> Well, the reason I bring up Rhode Island and, you know, uh, it's just because I I know that the whole New England area is sort of steeped in this uh, mythos of there, there's ghost tours just about everywhere you look, right? Yeah, there. I mean, there is a history just due to the, the fact that we were colonized by deeply religious weirdos uh, who all came up with fantastical stories of things they couldn't understand there's a definite creepiness to where we live though for sure um a lot of wooded area i mean i grew up in the woods i still live in the woods and come fall when everything's dying and looks creepy it gets dark very early and, mm -hmm. and it's just you know um i can see how occults and stuff like that took cold sure actually when i reached out to you about this you were maybe one of the last people I would expect to have witnessed anything. Um, I, I don't know that you have, but I don't know. I, I always just would assume that you were sort of like a hardcore skeptic about a lot of that stuff. Are I, you? I definitely, I am 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Only <laughs> me because, too. only because I had lived through me fooling myself and then having to uh, admit to myself, okay, I kind of built that up in my head. And I wanted it to be true because we're all eager to um, have some type of connection with uh, the afterlife or something beyond our immediate reality. Sure. So, um, and as a kid, pre-internet and then like boredom takes many shapes and can influence you in many ways as a kid, there was one incident in particular that I wanted to relate to you when I was going to daycare or day camp, I should say, there was this, this kid, another kid, and we had to be about um, eight or nine years old, but he had a Ouija board 
And um, it wasn't a Parker Brothers Ouija board. It was an unmarked. It was like there was no company name on it. It just looked super authentic. It, it was, and he would like bust it out. Like he said, he had to like sneak it from his parents, bring it to day camp, and you know we would gather around secretly and and play with this thing. It would answer questions, and we you know the the same kind of things everyone wonders like, are you moving this thing right yeah. now? Like what are you doing like and then we would ask him questions like what color is his house and it was blue and it was like oh shit my house really is blue <laughs> and um and then uh you know we asked the the, the dreaded question when am i gonna die or how am i gonna die mm. and uh this thing told me i was gonna die at 12 years old um and i was gonna be hit by a car and from that day forward, I've always been so hyper aware of my myself around cars mm. or crossing streets. And I really believed it. Um, it, it scared the shit out of me. And I, and to this day, I, it's still in me. Like I'm very like hyper, hyper aware when I have to cross road where cars are and you know what the possibility is that I may be hit by a car. Um, I carried that with me for a very long time. And there was also the Bloody Mary in the mirror, me and like three or four other kids from kind of our neighborhood. I didn't really have much of a neighborhood, but for some reason these kids were at my house from school and we did it in my mirror, said Mary, uh, Bloody Mary five times. And then, uh, or was it three? Whatever it was. I think yeah, we, I think it's three times. Yeah, we, we saw... It could have been our breath or whatever happened, but we saw something appear on the mirror and we just all bolted from the house at all at the same time. <laughs> That's so scared. So scared. And from that, and I, I that mirror, I, <laughs> it, it, I think it was a bunch of scratch marks on it that kind of resembled an, uh, a ghostly image of some sort. And I was convinced that we had conjured that and manifested it onto my mirror. And I, it was in my room and I, it took me a long time to admit to my mom, I was like scared of this mirror. And I told her, she was like, why would you do that? Why would you like, she totally believed it too. You know, she was, she still believes in psychics and stuff like that, yeah. which is weird. But, um, so this was a mirror in your room. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. A little one. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it was like a little carry around mirror. It wasn't mounted or anything. Oh. The room where you sleep that's too bad that's really <laughs> yeah. too bad it wasn't like a super old mirror or anything like that no 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 okay no. because we had this mirror growing up in our basement and i never really looked in it because it creeped me out but my nephew and my sister always swore that you saw like an older image of yourself in it hmm. um but i think it's it's one of those really old mirrors uh with a lead backing and so over time, you start to be able to see through the mirror a little bit more, and it kind uh, of distorts the reflection. So that's why I, I was asking if it was, an, if it was an old mirror, and like you just turn the lights on after you say Bloody Mary three times. No, but there was a lot of those kind of instances as a kid, and I was I was fascinated by the supernatural. I read all the books, uh, mm. any movie that came out about anything supernatural or UFO related. I was all about it. There's there's a the Liz Borden house in massachusetts and lizzie borden yeah who murdered her her parents with an axe um you can sleep there it's like uh you know they give you a tour of this haunted house quote right. unquote haunted house and you can sleep in the bedroom and um my girlfriend at the time was very very interested in doing that and also super spooked out about it and by that time i really had no there was no there, i didn't really have any residual fears of 
something coming from the afterlife to to fuck with me. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I did that. We did that. I did that twice. I think. <laughs> with the same yeah same person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's weird to think about now. It's been so long, but um, we did that. I was like, what a waste of money. Like, what are we doing? This ain't romantic. I'm sure it's an upcharge from the typical yeah. B&B. But did you hear any whispers in the night? Any axes swing past your head? No, nothing like uh, that. I, I, I appreciate that the tour guide... They they kind of were dispelling myths and saying and talking about how they really you know what they thought went down. I, now I can't remember the details, but it basically boiled down to her. Lizzie Borden was a lesbian and made off with her her girlfriend, and the parents were abusive, and she just fucking did you know fucked them up and Chopped killed them. them and yeah yeah. And that was that. And I'm, I'm sure there's a million stories like that around the world. For some reason, this one takes hold and becomes a, a, a thing of like urban legend i mean it's a great story they have a whole rhyme to it you know yeah how, how can you blame them <laughs> <laughs> if you get, if you make the rhyme you do the time it, it survives yeah. time <laughs> exactly so are you still into any of that stuff or is that kind of like a passing phase i i'm not i wouldn't say it was yeah. a passing phase it took quite a long time um yeah. the one thing i think i got most bamboozled about was when I was in, um, uh, I was in college. I was going to uh, a college called Dean College in Franklin, Massachusetts, and a mentalist uh, put on a performance. Mm. And uh, this was in '95. Yeah, yeah, '95. And um, he just did a lot of tricks that later on, a couple decades later, I'm able to search how he was able to do it. Yeah. Um, but at the time I was, I was fully invested and I totally believed that he could read my mind or figure out my social security number and things that I wrote down on a paper. How could he possibly know this stuff? And then, and, but I remember I was so amazed by him and I was just uh, in awe of the whole experience because it felt like I was truly experiencing something supernatural. And when the show was over and I remember he was, I was in the front row and he was walking by and I was like, Hey, Hey, do you think, Oh, Oh, because the last question he asked, I wrote down on a piece of paper. I was like, will I make it as a hip hop artist? And, uh, and he answered, he was like, uh, something about, you know, if, if you truly believe or whatever, yeah, you, yeah. you can make it in rap or something. <laughs> he did a, he did a beatbox. He kind of made a joke of it. <laughs> But I was like, oh, snap, like, this is really going to happen for me. <laughs> and I was like, hey, did you, is that really true? He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like, he almost <laughs> felt bad. He's like, oh, this fucking corny white kid, what's he talking about? Of course he's not going to make it in rap. Fuck no one's, here, ever, no one's ever bought it this far. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think that was sort of like a, an influence in another way? Just sort of like a, kind of controlling the crowd? Um, which I'm assuming he was he was doing pretty good at just his stage presence. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's it's the whole show of it. It's the yeah. whole performance aspect of it. He yeah. was he had it down. He and he had a partner in crime that was gathering information and relaying it to him through an earpiece and mm -hmm. yada yada. It was it was it was really well done. I was not a skeptic at all. Had I been a little bit at the time, maybe I could have noticed a couple of things here and there, but. Uh, I didn't. I just believed. I didn't want to know otherwise. Sure. That was where yeah. I was at. We're going to play Emperor's New Clothing from Sage Francis, Sick of Waiting Tables. Mm -hmm. 
I listen to secrets hidden in whispers And in the winter time, I catch them tickling my whiskers Colliding with wind chimes The type that sends shivers up and down tingling spines Thinking time could stretch if we'd spin a design inside our web that would catch drifts The type that blow up birthday candles before we make our death wish I'm waiting for a message in my calling I'm checking my voicemail And I'm answering machines with man-made dreams Man-made band-aids cover up the seams And the cover-up seems to only work if the wound never opens up or bleeds Beads of sweat form above the eyes of a heathen emperor Won't get on his feet and step outside into the freezing temperature He wants to adjust the global thermostat but he's so remote You can't control the world like that Come to find these eggs ain't even golden And I see depreciation in the family jewels the queen is holding That marriage was fixed, it happened when her feet were frozen She still remains to be the only one who's seen the emperor's new clothing Yeah. Yo, Slug, Aesop, Illogic, Blueprint, Idea, Sage Francis, <laughs> Felipe, so, uh... Willie Lou's in the house. Do you remember your dreams? Yeah, I used you to do. a lot more often than I do now. Yeah. I had I had incredibly vivid dreams as a kid and, and, and terrifying nightmares as a kid. Mm. Um, and I made a... I, I did make it a point to remember a lot of those dreams. I always thought they were purposeful and... It's something I needed to remember, um, yeah. and I stopped doing that after a certain point. But I still remember my dreams as a kid. Some of my very earliest dreams I remember as a kid. I think that my very first dream, and I know this sounds like bullshit, but I was in a crib because I was still a baby, mm -hmm. and my mother was downstairs. I could see it in my dream, and I, I, I had to cry in order to get her attention. So I cried in order to get her to come upstairs. So I could, I saw all of that happen. Wow. The way you would, you know, like you're floating outside of the body, watching the whole thing happen. Yeah. And my dreams are often when they're most interesting. I, you ever see the show quantum leap? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So this guy jumps into other people's bodies and he has to solve their problems and then he's back to himself. And they, so in my dreams, I, I kind of hop from character to character in the um, same dream, in the same dream. So yeah. I'll be one person in the dream and then I'm the next person in the same dream and the, with the, their, their perspective. And then another person's perspective. I didn't know that was uh, uncommon until I mentioned it to someone else and they were like they thought it was the weirdest shit they ever heard <laughs> well i think i'm fascinated by the fact that i i guess i never assumed that i was anybody else in any dream you know i guess i never really thought about it that much it's it's more typical for my dreams to have another person you're talking to them and they just like kind of sh like shift into somebody else and you just mm. really don't even think much about it yeah, that but always yeah. happens. Yeah, but yeah. For yourself, yeah. I don't know if I've if I've heard that. That's really maybe it's from watching too much TV and movies. Uh, although, if that was the case, everyone would be having these kind of dreams. Yeah, fair enough. Because um, I'm not. I don't particularly watch a lot of TV or movies, but I have in my life. Um, so I, I like always identify with the character whose perspective we're viewing th the thing through. So I feel like that is probably rooted in that. But like you said, in dreams, when an object or a person will just transform into something else and it's just normal, you don't think anything of right, it. Right. That's how it is for me when I just turn into another character within the dream. It's just same, you know, keep it moving. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is just what it is. I think there there are some circumstances where there's a notable change in tone versus you know like just sort of somebody morphs into somebody else and it's business as usual it's it's usually like 
where you, where you can feel the dream start to turn into maybe a nightmare territory. Mm. I think that's my favorite and least favorite part. It's, it's I the hate most that. thrilling I, part. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's the best part to like talk to people about after, but it's the worst part to experience. It's, it's, I'll say it's been a long time since I've had terrifying nightmares. It's been a very long time, yeah. but I, I remember, I always, when that part happens in a dream, and I can feel it happening and you're like, oh, great. Now it's everything's going to get dark right. and fucked up. Right. Like, why did that just have to happen? Yeah. yeah. Like somebody that. has their back turned towards you all of a sudden and then they slowly start to turn around. You're like, ah, oh, oh, this is this is the part. Oh, shit. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it doesn't happen like that for me. It's not like horror yeah. movies. It's always something incredibly subtle. And uh, there's a there's a tone. There's a sound. There's like a high pitch sound or something yeah. that just is an indicator that we're now in the new realm. Yeah. For me, it's been like, um, I've even been in mid conversation with someone and it's almost like in Pee Wee's playhouse, they'll say like a magic word and it's like, Oh wait, that, that word doesn't set it off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't go along with everything else. And I'm starting to (laughs) like, I'm starting to internalize things like, wait a second, wait a second, this isn't right. And then that's when things start to turn. It's like, I have full control over it apparently, but I, I have no control over yeah, it. I, I have this weird reoccurring dream, a couple, a couple that sometimes intertwine, but my grandmother's house creeped me out and she had a, um, you know, the theater, like the happy face and the sad face side by side. Yeah. So she had, I think they were made of leather or they were dark wood, but it was at the bottom of the stairwell mounted up. Um, I, it, it, it scared the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> And I'd always have to race by it, but that imagery and that feeling has made its way into my dreams permanently. And I always, I have this reoccurring dream where I'm, there's some labyrinth in my grandma's house. And I, I, I just, I, I'm always on the verge of remembering how to get to a certain spot where I, where I hid a lot of things of importance and I need to get to it before, you know, I die or someone finds it or the house gets sold or whatever, but it's, I always have that dream. And there's another part that intertwines where I, I, I can chew on like a small light bulb and it's a drug of some sort. And the more I hurt myself, the more, um, wild my reality becomes. And that's, that's not as often of a dream, but I, I remember it enough. It happens enough that I can actually remember it. And I, I don't know what the heck that's supposed to mean or (laughs) how that came about, but yeah. It's a little light bulb. You, you you chew it. I don't know if it's a light bulb, but it's glass and it hurts. And it's like a wild psychedelic of some um, sort. Comedy drama mask thing that you mentioned that, that actually brought up a... Uh, I was terrified of the um, the Wicked Witch from Wizard of Oz when I was yeah. a kid. And my aunt had this... It was called, I think it was called a kitchen witch. It just kind of hung in her kitchen. It was just like a classic witch, but I... I cried so hard when I saw it that she took it down every time I came over. She also had a um, huge velvet painting in the basement bathroom that we would have to go into sometimes if we were out back playing. You just run into the basement bathroom. But it was a gigantic velvet painting of Satan (laughs) sitting on the toilet. Nice. But yeah, just a giant painting of Satan in her downstairs. Yeah, that's Um, weird. 
bathroom. Yeah, we didn't have anything like that, so it was it was kind of strange. Yeah, it's it's funny uh, what affects you as a kid, and and for me to recognize it in my own kids, and see how spooked mm. out they can become over some very you know um normal things or not normal but things that shouldn't strike them strike any fear in them it does you know and you can't tell them otherwise yeah and it's just how it is <laughs> it's in our it's in our nature apparently yeah. it's just you know we sometimes we fixate on things and it doesn't make sense but that's what phobias are they don't I, make sense they just scare the shit out of you I, I was just about to say the same thing you could probably say the same thing to a kid about the things that you know adults fear and they would like why you know uh, I think it's just that different, different grasp on importance and reality. What I find interesting is how quickly kids become uh, accustomed to the idea of a ghost, what a ghost is. Um, I mean, okay. at two years old, my son could identify ghosts and knew they were supposed to be scary, but got off on the idea of, of being a ghost or talking to ghosts and i could i can't remember from my own life when i i was able to first conceptualize what a ghost was do you think that's just media uh partly just what we saw seeing cartoons and stuff yeah like, you know but yeah sure. i didn't think we really watched much of that although he is an october baby so all <laughs> halloween stuff happens yeah. around his birthday and yeah go the, the ghost imagery is definitely there yeah i'm a november baby myself so it's it's definitely a fall thing for me. Is that your favorite uh, season? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, now as I'm getting older, I I I appreciate any mild weather. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we and we because we have extremes. We have extreme right. summers and extreme winters. And the summer, I mean, the 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 spring and the fall only feel like it's spring and fall for about two to three weeks yeah. at most before the extreme weather hits. Have you ever seen any UFOs or anything unexplainable as an adult? Um, you know, when uh, the communion book came out, um, Whitley yeah. Strieber. Yeah, I remember the I remember seeing the movie on like during one of the alien oh, contact I, I was scenes. So, I was so excited yeah. to get a movie for that <laughs> because that the communion book was the first adult book I read of my own volition. Mm, yeah. Um, I, because again, I was super into anything supernatural. And when I saw that this book was for sale at borders or wherever it was, and I saw the alien face, I consumed it. I was, I was so invested in it. I was like, Oh man, I need to figure out how to get abducted by aliens. <laughs> uh, and like, you know, I try to <laughs> leave myself out in the open alone at the top of a hill in the woods and like, take me now, please yeah, yeah. get me the fuck out of here. I can't say I've ever seen anything that uh, I would say was a UFO. Yeah. Not even even if it wasn't otherworldly, I never saw anything that was that looked like it wasn't of this world or something I couldn't explain. I've I have a lot of friends who have who say they have, uh, but that that remains one of the things that I just I would love to experience on some level and just just for the excitement of it. As long as they're not, as long as it's not an invasion of some sort. And how can you avoid that? And and that's part of the reason why I wanted to do the show is um, I've never really experienced much of anything, like ever. Uh, but I love that stuff and I love the stories. And my favorite part of meeting new people is usually like later in the night when things are kind of more relaxed. Uh, you start getting into those stories about, you know, maybe they lived in a haunted house at one point or they had these weird dreams. Like that's always been my favorite part of meeting people. 
Because yeah. I feel like the conversation invariably always turns towards that. So that's why I wanted to do a show where it's just that. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to have a, we have to be sleeping next, like in the same room and, and a candle going. Yeah. And then exactly. all bullshit barriers start to come down. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was my favorite part about touring with people is like, you know, you don't really know them that well until you're like in a hotel room with them and like, oh, wow, you're your aunt had like a demon in her house you know like let's hear more about that right right yeah. no yeah i love those though those are the best parts of touring uh mm -hmm. talks in the van or in the hotel room yeah like outside of the supernatural because every almost everyone i interact with or have worked with has those kind of stories yeah and i can never i can't i, I can't join along i can only listen because they just i'm not there it, it doesn't um <laughs> I could have been if I, I just. Well, no, I don't know I, if I just kept playing along and and believing, but I just I couldn't after a while. And me saying I don't believe in it, I don't want people to think I'm trying to invalidate their experience. I can only be oh, yeah. honest about what I've experienced and yeah. what I've been open to. I, I can say I've genuinely been open to it for large portions of my life, and been left feeling at first just uh underwhelmed or dissatisfied or bummed out that it never came to me or right. happened to me although I, I wouldn't say i'm totally devoid of unexplainable phenomenon you know even if i'm not a believer in ghosts like i'm not outright denying the existence of it i've just never seen it so i i really don't have any personal proof but if you asked me to like spend the night in a haunted house i probably wouldn't because even though I don't really believe in ghosts, I wouldn't want one attaching itself to me and following me home. <laughs> you know, like that's that's my realm of belief. Like, I don't believe in it. I'm not going to take any chances, though. And my ultimate fear is, yeah, something latches on to me and follows me home, which was honestly one of the reasons I was a little nervous about visiting Salem. <laughs> they have some really old homes there. Well, I mean, com not compared to Europe, but for America. No, yeah. no. Yeah, for America. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think I would have been, I'm, I was so open to any of that. Any, Like, I'd stay in any place people told me was haunted, I just so I could maybe at some point catch a glimpse of something. Yeah. And because all of it would validate my feeling, or not validate, but satiate my need to know that something is beyond this life sure so even the smallest thing would would really get me pumped yeah no i get that you know i i when i was a kid <clears throat> i really wanted to see a ghost um i really wanted to see a ghost in the daytime not at night yeah at all <clears throat> so at night <clears throat> i would spend the whole time like asking you know like whatever force to not see a ghost at night. And when I would wake up in the day, be like, you know what? This is a perfect time. <laughs> like the sun's out, beautiful day outside. Okay, I'm fine to see a ghost now. It, but it would have to be on my terms, which I don't think that's how it works. You have to wait for the witching hour. <laughs> terrified me just now. <laughs> I, there, there's definitely been instances where I was super terrified, where I thought I had encountered something. And one of them, oh, the, the back to the, the Ouija board story, um, there was this like small translucent bug that landed on the board while we were using it once. And, and, uh, we asked if that's, if that was the spirit we were talking to and it was like, yeah, and I'll, I'll come visit you some other time. 
And uh, maybe a year or two later, I was mowing my lawn, and that's a small translucent bug landed on the the handle of the uh, mo- the lawnmower I was using, and I fucking yeah. freaked out. <laughs> I was like, "That was it. He came back. Oh fuck!" It's same thing. Uh, yeah. And another day. Yeah, just little things yeah. like that. Where I just held on to these things so tightly and and full of fear for so long. Yeah, I guess it's fun. Yeah, it is. We yeah, we, we, get, we can it, psych ourselves out for the fun of it. I don't know why this popped into my head, but. Uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on here. It's pretty short, but it was just about, we were on the road. I think it was me and witness. Um, we were driving across Arizona. Maybe we were, maybe we had just been to truth or consequences, New Mexico. We, we were somewhere out in the Southwest. It was getting really late. It was probably like midnight and we were just trying to find a cheap motel to stay at. We went to this one place that looked closed down and it's going to sound like I'm lying, but this is 100% how it was when I walked in to see if they had any rooms available. It was super dim. It almost looked like the lights were wrapped in some kind of fabric. Um, There was an old record playing and it kept skipping and scratching and you couldn't see it anywhere. It was a really narrow hallway where the the check-in desk should be. It was just a hole cut in the wall and it was all dark back there and it had an old-timey telephone on <laughs> you know like i i walk in i'm looking at this thing and it looks like a like some kind of scene out of a horror film yeah it's properly this, creepy that's a good setup you know, i'm kind of looking around and i realize that if somebody pokes their head out from this hole like it's almost like have you ever seen um mulholland drive oh yeah the david lynch movie oh yeah you know when he, when he's talking about seeing that that uh yes uh, behind thing. the dumpster yeah. yeah it felt like that it was almost like i know if i see this face <laughs> pop out of here something bad's gonna happen so i just like booked it out oh david lynch is so good at at, at capturing that that stuff that like a uh, intangible flavoring of dreams and yeah the, the fear behind it that where even if nothing popped out behind that dumpster that would have been so intense that shit was so scary. Yeah, it was. That was that's one of the scariest moment moments of any movie. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, I just I just got in the car and I told witness, yeah, we we can't we can't stay here. Like we should leave now. Yeah. We we tried to man, you should have stayed there. That's a that's a <laughs> If you can remember where it is, that that sh- we should like make it a destination spot. Yeah, for sure. When when I was on tour in 2000 with the uh, Anticon dudes, we uh this was bef- before the internet was was as popular <laughs> as it is now it, yeah, and we weren't yeah. booking hotel rooms beforehand so we after a show we would drive and just try to find yeah. vacancies which is so dumb and i did it for way too long like that but anyways we were in arizona and um middle of nowhere and we were just desperately looking for a place to stay and we finally found a, a spot that was a small Mo- maybe a motel i don't remember really it wasn't it was a very small establishment mm-hmm. and we had a van full of um ragged looking dudes i remember they turned us down <laughs> and and soul there was a there was a, a a cow skull or some skull that he took off the property and put in the van just just like fuck you guys i'm taking this and we're driving and then <laughs> i think it would, maybe was the next day when it was light out you could see that there were still all types of bugs inside of it. It wasn't fully decayed yet. It was like a truly oh, no. creepy, gross fucking 
skull in our van that we ended up tying to the the front of the van as our wow. just like a good emblem for the tour but yeah that, what you were just telling me about reminded me of just that it kind of was weird and creepy but we you know we we owned it we took the creepy with us so it still had like meat on it and stuff yeah it was still had flesh on it it was not fully decayed yet it wasn't like a it was not old enough. <laughs> it wasn't ready to be taken into the backseat of a van. Next up is Make Em Purr from the album Copper Gone. I was a lot more comfortable being vulnerable and open when I was younger and it wasn't clear if I was or wasn't joking but so much is broken just like the fix is in if I can't hide in plain sight anymore I'll just stay hidden it's been a minute since I left this domicile no need to change my outfit I'll rock it like it's going out of style it's out of style ain't no one here to tell me otherwise it gets more difficult to stay inside during the summertime but most of the time it's just like any other time avoid personal interaction Human touch, shut the blinds. It's been a while since I left the spatula pad. I need to go to the market soon, cause the food is going bad. The food is bad. I found it's difficult to just cook for one with healthy recipes. Well, depending on what book they're from. If you wanna eat healthy, you gotta dirty some dishes. The frozen dinner's quickly ready to serve, and it's so delicious. It's not delicious, it's disgusting. But it satiates the hunger with a quickness. And hey, at least it's something. At least it's something. At most it's nothing. I don't know, I'm just adjusting. It's been a month since I left this cabin. The doctor was worried about a fever and other difficulties I've been having. She called me on Christmas, that was my gift. She was worried I might die and said I might die. No sh- Been forever since I've said something that I can't wiggle free from. If there's anything I cherish in this self-inflicted prison, is freedom. Comes at a cost, so I'm private to a fault. Till I default on the loan for home, it's actually more like a vault. No one knows a combo, but little old me, the head honcho, the holder of the key, alone but never lonely. It's been a millennia since I left this dominion. Been in the company of any women. At least I got my kittens. Spent more cash on my cat than I did myself. When he stopped eating, I took him to the vet so they could check his health. They put a feeding tube into his neck. I said, please let this work. Cause if it doesn't, I got nothing left. I didn't say that, but they saw that. The cat had my tongue, I didn't speak at all. They told me to call back. What, it wasn't weird, I did nothing but stand right there. But I fixed this, money's no object, type stare. It's been a year since I stepped into anyone else's private quarters. I've been busy self-diagnosing disorders. First world problems, yeah. USA, number one, top of the world. I'm in a tux and cumberbund. Welcome everyone to the party of the century. It's sure to be one for the books, no doubt. Medical ones especially, my 20s were a roar. My 30s were a blur. My 40s, I'm not so sure, but I'ma make them purr. My 20s were a roar.
do you lucid dream at all no oh um, no yeah i mean if i i feel like lucid dreaming is not real dreaming because if you're mm -hmm. aware that you're dreaming you're just there's this is how I think about it. If if you're aware you're dreaming, you're too conscious and not in the in a deep sleep. So I always try, but uh, I wake up <laughs> if I start to realize it's a dream. Um, you feel like you're not along for the ride, therefore it's not it's not the real deal. Yeah, yeah. And I should always know when I'm dreaming because there's always a creepy, weird animal that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's a, nice. it's just a vivid, beautiful, weird thing. I was like, what is that? And I'm always like, I got to get a picture of that thing. No one's going to believe me, but it always happens. Like when I see that kind of thing, I should realize it's a dream, but I never do. There was, you know what? There was one time I did lucid dream when I was in school, uh, grade school. I, I, I remember I was in a, I was dreaming. I realized it was a dream and I was in a classroom and I was thinking I could do anything right now. And I was going to punch this kid in the face during class. His name was Daniel and he was the nicest, shyest kid in class. Oh. And I felt so bad and I couldn't oh. do it. I was like, you know what? No, I can't, I can't do that. But it was like, I could have done anything. And I, that was my, my immediate impulse. And then I gave up on it <laughs> and I've never had anything like that ever since. I mean, I think that says something positive about you though. <laughs> I hope so. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could technically Two do that. Thing, I think it's a, there's a, something positive and mm. negative about me in that. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You have the you have the self restraint. I'll say that because <laughs> you could you could track Daniel down now and punch him in the face too, but you don't. No, right? Yeah, you, he doesn't deserve that. Restraint. Yeah. Okay, speaking of soul, this was the last time I had an experience with a, a psychic. Nice. Um, I have a few st soul stories that probably would work well with this podcast, but. Um, he told me his mom swore by this woman in, in some part of Maine who didn't run a, a psychic business or anything. She just was known as like the hardcore psychic out that way. And, um, you know, you should go visit her. He told me, cause I, I probably told him about my previous experiences and I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. I'll check her out. And like, I made this long ass drive to the middle of nowhere to this woman's house I told her how I knew who she was uh, and she took me out to this picnic table in her yard and she took out a, a deck of cards. They weren't tarot cards. They were playing cards. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, that made it feel more authentic. It was like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not, I'm not here for the, the show and tell of like yeah. some like fancy, fancy shit. This is just, just the bare bones. And, uh, you know, I told her nothing about me and, and, um, no background information, nothing. She just went in cold and you, and, and her results were awful. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. She was just like, yeah, you're going to be a cook. I can see you, see you in the kitchen. Just, you know, I was like, oh, she was, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> at, at that point, I don't think I'd ever cooked a meal at, at all. Maybe she was looking like far enough into the future where I can now put together a proper, like top ramen but yeah i remember at that point i just was so let down i was just like all right this is what am i doing like who cares who cares if they could even figure anything out about me why why am i asking i know what i gotta do i thought maybe you're gonna say she turns out she looked on hip-hop infinity <laughs> beforehand or the the hip-hop hip-hop hunks yeah right oh yeah yeah shout cards. out to dj staff dj staff yeah. uh, rest in peace she's uh what a beautiful human and 
uh it sucks that we lost her as so early but she she was the mastermind behind the, the hip-hop hunks website oh, that got everyone up in, that. all up in arms about it yeah i'm sure it did. people were probably mad that they didn't get their own card yeah but it was funny how she pick and chose like me and it's like anticon dudes that are we're never you know we're not heartthrobs you know? yeah. <laughs> it's like look at these like it's almost homeless looking the dudes and we're just putting like all these hearts around them and like oh i love this guy <laughs> it was so it was, it was such a good troll such a good troll moment in internet hip-hop history i think that needs to make some kind of a comeback even if it's not hip-hop hunks just yeah. some sort of a like get it get a jesse the tree card going you know of course yeah, yeah. you gotta get the teen beat happening like a teen yeah. beat section of strange famous and shout out jesse the tree for being just an incredible artist and human being one of the nicest guys i've ever talked to yeah um, strange famous artist right yeah yeah you can't go wrong with jesse the tree yeah. hanging out with him is immediate upliftment mood upliftment he's the best yeah, yeah. love that cat and, and as an mc i feel like he having him on the roster it's funny to see just how widely accepted he was like he's the most mm. sought after mc on the roster i would say um as of late where he just translates to all different circles of hip hop that normally don't fuck with us, but they do fuck with Jesse the tree. Yeah. Yeah. He just seems to have just such an easy way of being too, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, like I know he, I know he, he works, he works so hard on his music, but at the same time, like just the way he comes off, he just seems like such a natural. It's yeah. It's all natural. Guy. It's unforced. What Jesse yeah, the tree right. is, is unforced and mm -hmm. beautiful um, and nonchalant. You know, I, I do have that song with Jesse the tree called uh, bigger, better wolf. And uh, we, we filmed a great video for it, which is creepy and spooky, but um, we didn't release it last year because it wasn't finished until after Halloween. So now we were waiting for this Halloween season to come around to release it. We got a lot happening on Halloween. Uh, Mopes just produced a full horror album where all the strange famous artists uh, and other artists um, uh, kind of talk about, it's like horror movie. Like we recall horror movies in our rap. So um, it's it's cool. It's good stuff. Nice. I, That's awesome. I haven't heard everyone else's stuff yet, but the song I'm on uh, and I trust Mopes. He's, he's, he's uh, very diligent in making sure everything needs to be the way it needs to be. Very so, cool. Yeah. It's yeah. something I think we're gonna do every every Halloween now. I used I love having Halloween traditions. I used to play Phoenix every Halloween. Uh it became a big thing out there and then I stopped doing that for other I had to do other stuff. But I you know, this isn't this is my season. I like this better than the Christmas season and Thanksgiving and yeah, this is my spot. This is my shit. Um, outside of what I just mentioned with those releases, we're doing um we got a new Meter Maids album that's completely finished. It's uh, produced by Alexander Brown. Buddy Peace does all the cuts on it. And um, I'm featured on two of the songs, and I do a few other things on the album. It's it's a really interesting, grown-up, uh, family-oriented... No, not family-oriented, but th uh, they're both dads. They both work full-time jobs. Right. And now we're getting into this again where they were on a hiatus and they finally came back to start recording again. It's just a family love thing about it. Mm -hmm. So it's called The Line in the Sky. I believe that will drop in November. That'll be our last major album of the year. And um, following up next year, we will be doing... Um, we have one artist 
who you should absolutely talk to because I'm sure he has crazy stories. He currently yeah. he currently lives in Malaysia, but his name is Old Boy Rhymes. Um, I signed him. No one really knows who he is. Um, he sent me some stuff, asked me to hop on his album, and I was like, "Dag!" I was like, "This this dude can rap his ass off," and his story is super interesting. Um, he's originally from Alaska, and he moved around tons of places. He's been living overseas for a long time now, and um, and eventually, I just he asked me if I would be interested in putting it out on Strange Famous. I was like, "Hell yeah! This shit is really dope. It's got nice. Brother Ali on it. It's got Micah Nine. Uh, got Mister Lift." and uh, a slew of others and so we've i've been helping him shape it up ever since then because he is kind of fresh like he's not very familiar with the way the industry works and how to release albums so um, i got mopes on board to produce the whole thing um and it just it, it, it's a very special project to me we've taken over a year to get it to where it is right now and um, i'm sure he's been chomping at the bit to finally get this out to the people because he's just like yeah it's ready to go let's go let's go yeah. i was like yo yeah. we've got to make sure everything's done right because i really want you to get the exposure you deserve and sure. i want to make sure we can like give it the attention it deserves when it is released so that will come out next year the name of it is sane asylum i'm kind of shouldn't be saying all this because it's way too far in the future <laughs> but there it is um something i'm very excited about we got a we got a rapper named lee reed from canada who will have a new album out next year um sees mike's old veteran mm -hmm. on strange famous will have yeah. a new um album next year and uh, and i i should have my next album out by next fall so that's so, what i'm um, writing right now and trying to wrap up the the official follow-up to copper, copper yeah album. so it'll be 10 nice. years since my uh previous solo uh studio album yeah. well you've done epic beard men though for a while now haven't you yeah, yeah. So a lot of my time and energy and everything else was dedicated to the Epic Beardman project. Um, and that took us on a couple tours, international as well. And um, so, yeah, if people are always like, Hi, he hasn't done anything in so long. I mean, that's what I was doing. I was doing the right. Epic Beardman right. stuff. But as far as I know, it's very different than my solo material. So people are like, where's the solo stuff? I want to hear that. Sure. Like, calm down. It's coming. It's coming. I got a lot. I got a lot in the works. It'll be there. And I'm working on. Uh, I've been developing a podcast of my own, so that'll happen as well. Uh, working it's on about, a book about the paranormal. Or it, no, it's just well, it could be. I wouldn't mind talking about that with everybody, but um, yeah, we'll see where where everything turns. I I got ideas. Working on a book too. Yeah, I mean, at least a lyric book, just something to put everything yeah. down on paper that can be read and illustrated yeah. i got uh inky mole sarah coleman from the uk wonderful designer and illustrator um she's down to help me put that together and outside of that there's other stuff i'd like to to put down in book form but that i mean that's not a that's always been on the back burner that's not it's not sure. a new idea it's really something i've just like at some point i gotta get around to doing that i want to do that but yeah we'll see i got a lot of things i have to figure out because i can't tour as heavy as i once did uh, in order to make the money that i need so i will think of other ways to generate um income and make it worth everyone's while so that's what yeah. i'm i'm juggling in my head until i'm eventually juggling it in in, in actuality well i mean i have uh in infinitely high mountain of respect for you and everything that you've done especially when it comes to turning straight famous into sort of this meeting place for really talented artists that that you're really getting exposure for too 
Um, yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate that. In addition to just being one of the most impressive performers, lyricists, um, showmen, I mean, really. I mean, I, I know that sounds kind of cheap, but well, I take I'll take it. it yes, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound cheap because it, it, it is really. I mean, it's funny the fact that I just started getting back into the performance aspect of my career. Yeah. Um, and me having to recognize that, that there's certain things that I know that I developed and built over the course of my performance career that I had to, in order to get the respect that was necessary for my career to be possible. Yeah. So it's recognized. It is pointed out by other people that I, and I appreciate that it, it's, I'm grateful for it because without it, I don't really think I would be able to do what I do at all because they, the, the lyrics themselves weren't, weren't going to do it because it, there had to be something else to draw people in and grab people's attention. Um, I, I do think I'm, I'm more of a lyricist than I am anything else, but I'm definitely a better live performer than most hip hop artists. And I needed to be that in order for I everything else to work. I very much agree with that. And as a testament to that, I will say that I played a show back in you know, 2005, maybe. And it was me and five other rappers. And I think I counted me and everyone else during our set whether we realized it or not there was like a, a chair on stage we all during our performances separately stood on the chair and wrapped the microphone cord around our throat and kind of like pulled it up yeah and we all saw you do that first so right. subconsciously <laughs> we were all channeling something we saw sage francis do and i think that's a that's a testament to how much of an influence you were in terms of you know just performance like seeing somebody go up there and do it and not just stand in one place and hold the microphone with their palm covering the microphone so you can't actually hear what they're saying uh, yeah. just giving a really good performance so well i appreciate that brother thank you so that. much absolutely you let him call you brother but you won't let me call you brother all right Chaz, that's enough we're gonna leave you with bigger batter wolf from jesse the trees album pigeon man featuring sage francis and going in through the door. So this is your mother's blessing. I walk the walk of a lumbering monster. It is one with imposter syndrome. Talk to my mama though. I am not just big bone, nah. -uh. I am a critical miscellaneous muscle mass with a fleeting memory. Defeating my weaknesses with sleeplessness and then feeding off of the energy. A blindsided with cyclops, stuck in one-sided arguments. Undecided voters got no time to focus. Somehow found the confidence to proudly announce. There are no more aha moments for us to stumble upon. Nah, -uh, you rodents. I know there's something beyond our tunnel vision. Our stunted wisdom, there's something stinking every election year. Bad habits are like jackrabbit. And I swear there's more than just the smell of sex in the air. You need to breathe deep before you huff and puff and blow your stimmies on a repossessed abandoned squatted on home for pity you want the truth any old battle will do you want the truth way too many have acted a fool you want the truth we're all just rapping for food there's always a wolf that is bigger and better than you hate the shadow of you bigger better wolf bigger better wolf bigger better wolf Look, I got a story to tell 
Morning glory, heart shining through the poison itself. Church bells harmonizing with the chorus in hell. The amorphous souls drift through abandoned carousels. No Canterbury tells, this is capillary swell shit. Bloody Mary mirror glass shatter like Shaq did. Covered in the grave, death, love, rap, taxes. Watermelon haze when the bones in the back sit. This is kerosene and matchsticks. Habits I detach with. Gravel pit of ashes. Arrows through the apple spit. The world governed by the masochists. So I give them good trouble. Knuckles covered up in sacraments. Red handed planted flowers with the earth rip. Power ridden curse inks. Golden bower birds sing. Angels who rehearse grief. Curtains burning harmony. So what if God is just a common thief? Peace. Let's go, 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 let's go